And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Zeus! (laughs) I like that movie. I know. I can go the distance. (laughs) Did you know that? That I can go the distance? I don't care how far. If I can be strong. Uh, Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. No complaints. I have a slight complaint. Uh, my I, I pulled a hamstring at the gym the other day, and my left hamstring by my knee, because, you know, it's connected to the knee there. It's all Scientology stuff, uh, scientifical stuff, but uh, it hurts really bad, so I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to sit down. I'm trying to lay down, and it's just not working for me, so probably have to get an amputated or something. <laughs> Maybe. I'm trying to make it all authentic. Yeah, authentic. Authentic. <laughs> I like that part. That's a good movie, too. The Town. That's a really good movie. Yeah. Not to be confused with a town, but the town. Right. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, though. I can't can't complain too much. Sweet. What have you been watching? You know, I haven't really been watching as much just because I have been uh, looking for a potential condo to buy, and I've also been uh, working um, a bunch. So... I did watch The Vow, though. I caught up on... I was two episodes behind, but I am now caught up to episode four, and episode five will come out Sunday. It is awesome. Uh, Very, very cool. Really trippy, but I enjoy it a lot. I also watched episode five of Lovecraft Country. Still just quite amazing. Uh, What else? Oh, I watched My Cousin Vinny. Um, I had not seen that. Haven't seen it since I was a kid. Really like that. You know, how do you cook your grits? (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm regular, creamy, or authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, every two Southerner knows it takes about 20 minutes to do the grits. <laughs> yeah. No, he goes, so, he's like, he's like, how long did you, he's like, oh yeah, you said you were making breakfast. What were you, right? And he's like, well, how long, you said it took you about five minutes? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, how does it take you five minutes when it takes the entire grit eating world fifth <laughs> or 20 minutes? He's like, I'm a fast cook, I guess. What? What was that? You're a fast cook? Is that it? Is that what you said? Okay. <laughs> I like when they so look at the menu. the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? Did you buy them from the same guy that sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Oh, I like but... I like when they're trying to order the meals and they're like, I guess we'll do the breakfast. And it just has the three I options. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I appreciate amazing that kind of menu, movie. though. Yeah. Sure. It's great. Um the less is the less is more. Like when you go to like Cheesecake Factory or some shit, and it's like this tome that they put on your table, and you're like, I don't, I don't know, just bring me something. And bring me something while I'm waiting. <laughs> Give me someone while I'm waiting. <laughs> but yeah, the Cheesecake Factory, interesting. Uh, yeah, so I watched those. Uh, what else did I write down? Um, Eyes wide oh. shut. Oh yeah, dude. So I watched Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, that was my first time ever seeing it, and I really liked it. It was a long movie, but I really enjoyed it once it kind of the the dust kind of settled. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to talk like, about it a, a bit today. He's like, it's okay. I'm a doctor. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. 
He's like, I got my pass. I got my doctor pass. Check this shit out. Yeah, that, that was so it's interesting. Like a clearance. <laughs> he, he said he said it for like everything. Like he was a, a detective or something. You know, he's like, oh, well, I'm a doctor. Here you go. And I'm like, what the hell? That doesn't mean that you can get into these stores and to the secret orgy cult. Just all these things were happening. But yeah, really interesting movie. I I'm a Kubrick fan. I was surprised I hadn't seen this one, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then uh, Cobra Kai finished that. I think I talked about that last week. And then also uh, the NFL started back up this week. So my Sunday Welcome was Welcome very... to Football's Day. <laughs> Welcome to Football's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's all I got. What did you um, What did you watch? Uh, like you, I watched The Vow. And I created a theme song for it. it How does goes, it go? It goes <laughs> T-H-E-B-O-W. The Vow. <laughs> and uh it's pretty good because there's not a whole lot going on during the theme and so i i made my own because that's how i do and then i also watched the 1989 batman um that was fun just kind of i watched that to get vanilla sky taste out of my mouth <laughs> oh god get out i of needed here. to watch something else and uh and i watched anaconda it snakes out there it is big and i like that movie it's, it's so weird on Netflix. It has Owen Wilson as the the picture. It's just a like close-up shot of him <laughs> on Netflix. And I'm like, he's not the star of that movie. I, I forgot he was in that movie for the longest time. It's uh, no. Ice Cube and J-Lo. I, um, I was telling Alex, as, as we were watching, I'm like, man, this is like the third Owen Wilson movie we've watched in like as many days. Because <laughs> we watched, we watched The Wedding Crashers and we watched uh, Starsky and Hutch like last weekend. I'm just like, why is this asshole always on my TV? <laughs> like, what's happening right now? And then you watched uh, Shanghai Nights. I did not. <laughs> I, I, I've seen it, but I did not watch that recently. No. Wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a big snake. Yeah, he's he's uh, an interesting character. You, me, and Dupree. Marley and me. Bottle Rocket. <laughs> just trying to name movies that he's in. Uh, Royal Tannenbaums, he's in that, and I love that movie. And mm-hmm. I really want to watch that at some point and talk about it on this show, but um, it's not for everyone, it's kind of a, a slow burn. And I don't know if the payoff is there for most people. I just like, like you, I like character movies, I don't need a plot or a story or anything, it can just be a couple of people talking, and I usually enjoy it. And Wes Anderson's so good at developing his characters, yeah. It's good. And there's like that one like special kid that works with Bill Murray and that cab pulls up and he's like, this cab has a dent in it. <laughs> and every time I take a, a Lyft or an Uber, I say that as soon as it pulls up. <laughs> so stupid. The shit that sticks in my brain, I tell you. I know. I think I I'd get lost if I were to go in your brain. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be like a lucid dream. I have health problems. Oh, man. Speaking of lucid dreams, uh, we are going to be doing the motion picture show Vanilla Sky. And this movie came out in 2001. It's directed by one Cameron Crowe, who brought you some amazing hits like Say Anything, Singles, Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, which is I think is a movie you actually really enjoy. Yeah, it's my second favorite movie of all time. Of all time? Yes. What is your favorite movie of all time? Tombstone? The the Tombstone? The <laughs> John? None. None. Two? No, nothing with Alien Kurt 3? Russell in it. <laughs> what? 
It's um the Lord of Ring the the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That I group them as movie? I group them as Juan because it's like trying to pick your favorite child. Or I don't have children, so it's like trying to pick your favorite PS4 video game. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have one of those. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> they all come in blue boxes, nice and yeah. <laughs> oh jeez! Uh, he also yeah. did Allison Chains' uh, "The Wood" music video, which is kind of close if to that question. Would that sound like Lane Staley? <laughs> yes. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, dude, I remember when I found out he died. I was in the car. Sad. I was waiting for um, my uh, future ex-wife to get out of class, uh, and I, I just drove her to school. Uh, she was going to Cal Poly Pomona at the time and I had nothing going on. So I was like, oh, I'll just take you. And then I hung out. I knew it was going to be a short class. So I'm just sitting in the parking lot, just kind of listening to K-Rock. And, and then Stryker came on the radio and he was like, yeah, so sad to report that uh, Lane Stanley passed away. I was like, what? Uh, and he was yeah. like sad and alone. And it was like several days before he was found. Mm-hmm. And so just talking about how no one even knew that he was, that he wasn't okay, just really broke my heart. So that's yeah. why I like to do, like because of that, I like to make a conscious effort to check on my friends. <laughs> right. A wellness Just to make check. sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was sad. Yeah, no, he had one of the most uh distinct or distinct voices in, in rock. I mean, him and Chris Cornell, like the one Chris Cornell a few years ago, that hit me really hard too. So it's just uh real sad. But Yeah. I remember I was crushing cardboard in Target when I heard about Chris Cornell. Yeah. I was like, what? No way. Uh, Anyway, back to the Vanilla Sky. It was written by Cameron Crowe, who did the screenplay, which is actually adapted from the Spanish film Open Your Eyes, directed by Alejandro Amanabar, who also co-wrote, and uh, he wrote that with Mateo Gill. Speaking of Anaconda, Mateo, uh, Mateo Gill, who was not in Anaconda, but shares the name of the riverboat captain that dies. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought he was the Spoiler snake. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Owen Wilson's the snake. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like a little puppet. He's a uh, horcrux. The, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the film stars Tom Cruise, Penelope Cruise, fucking Carnival Cruise, Norwegian Cruise, <laughs> Princess Cruise. You got the Cameron Booze, Diaz. Booze Cruise. <laughs> Booze Cruise. <laughs> oh, jeez. You got the Kurt Russell. Jason Lee, Tilda Swinton, Michael Shannon, Timothy Spall, and Noah Taylor. I think Timothy Spall, isn't that uh, Peter Pettigrew? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. little worm yeah. tail. Worm tail. How about that? And Michael Shannon, how fun was that to see him in this movie? He's kind of kind of uh, blossomed into manhood from, from Groundhog's Day, <laughs> where he was like a teen. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, where do I know that angry guy from? <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking Michael Shannon. I like Michael Shannon a lot. I'll pretty much see anything that he's in. I think he's such a phenomenal actor. Yeah, we were talking. I don't know if we were talking about it on the air, but on one of these podcasts, we mentioned uh, Midnight Special. Yeah, and he's in that, and he's phenomenal in that too. Mm-hmm. Check he's it out. Really good in The Shape of Water too. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's on my to do list. But the list is now very, very long. I got, I got so much shit to do. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm a go-getter. You know, I like to get stuff done. I like to take things off the list. But it just keeps multiplying. 
He likes to grab the bull by the horns. (laughs) Yeah. You must, you play with matches and you get the horns. Yes. (laughs) Are you ready for the critical reception? Are you ready to hear how just fucking blown away everybody was by this motion picture show? (laughs) I hope so. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So. According to one Rotten Tomatoes there, uh, this movie is a 42% on the old meter. Oof. That is uh, no, that no. is not fresh. That is that is green gack from Nickelodeon. <laughs> it, is, it is bad news bears. <laughs> Double dare. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the physical challenge with the vanilla sky. <laughs> and uh, it got effed in the proverbial A. But, interestingly enough, all the all the fun credit picks that are the top reviewers actually really enjoyed it. So uh, the audience did too. Turns out this movie actually has a 70%, 72% audience score, which isn't bad out of nearly 300,000 reviews. So people are drinking the Kool-Aid on this one, as it were. <laughs> the vanilla Kool-Aid. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh. Let's see here. What do we got? Let's. We have uh, Richard Roper from Ebert and Roper. He says, "A spectacular film!" Exclamation point. He really liked it. Man of very few words. Not like us long-winded fucks. He he got his point across in three words. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, Nell Minow from Common Sense Media. She says. Some surface appeal, but ultimately vacant. But still gave it a uh, three out of five. How about how about that? Uh, Felix Vasquez Jr. from Cinema Craze says, Two and a half hours I'll never get back. Dot, dot, dot. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, he's not uh, terribly excited. Let's see here. Uh, Christy Lemire said from Associated Press, she says, Vanilla Sky is nearly identical to the 1997 Spanish film it's based on, except it's set in Manhattan instead of Madrid and has a much better soundtrack. All right. Music makes the movie, right? Yeah, there you go. Jonathan Rosenbaum from Chicago Reader. He says, I now find Cruz tolerable only when he's in a movie that undercuts or ridicules his narcissism as Eyes Wide Shut did and as this movie does even more noticeably. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that because I don't think that his character, uh, what is it, David Ames? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a likable character by any stretch of the imagination. And he's in every goddamn scene. <laughs> so there's a lot of them. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it for the critical reception. This film had a budget of $68 million. Opening weekend, it got a whopping $25 million. And uh, let's see here. Worldwide, it did $203 million. Not too shabby. A little yeah. shabby, but not too shabby. Tom not Cruise is shabby. a big uh, box office draw. 2001... He was like approaching Crazy Town Banana Pants. He wasn't quite there, um, but he was getting there. By the time World of Worlds came out, he was jumping on sofas and screaming things. And he had the Matt Lauer interview, like the Don't Be Glib 
And yeah. it turns out that 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 Lauer is a bit of a piece of shit. He's a fat fucking bitch. Fat fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, he's a creeper. I don't like creepers, man. No, neither do I. Is it is it that hard not to be a fucking creep? Honestly, it's like that Keith Rainier. Oh my god, that guy is so gross. I know. I I don't know if I've ever met a Keith I liked. <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you, that's just uh, if you're listening to this and your name is Keith. I hope you're a fine young man, and it just really, I find it fascinating that I have known three Keiths in my life, and all three looked the same. They all look like total creepers that were just, if you if you saw them on the side of the road uh, at hitchhiking, you would think that they were going to cut off your face and wear it in the next county over. They were all very, very creepy looking, and uh, I, I hope and pray that those are the only three creepy keys in the world now that is to say we must amend that and mr keith david he is uh quite the man so i'm not i've never met him mad about him oh i i met him when i watched uh they live yeah he, oh, he, he was go. he was with me in my head so in my head movies there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah keith david is a treasure he's amazing absolutely love him are you yelling at me are you yelling at me in my own house <laughs> in my own house <laughs> oh that's so funny what baseball Oh shit, that's so great. Yeah. Anyway, that is that is it. That is all I have to contribute to this podcast. I doubt it. But yeah. Uh okay, fun facts that I that I pulled up. Yeah, me alone. I found these. No one else. The uh, the scene with Tom Cruise alone in Times Square is not computer enhanced. The production was given unprecedented permission to shut down Times Squares for one Sunday or Times Square <laughs> for one Sunday. At Welcome the time to Times Square Day. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. At the time, the news ticker was providing updates on George W. Bush Al Gore election on the George W. Bush Al Gore election, the hanging Chad. Uh, to avoid dating the film, Crow got permission to change the NASDAQ sign in post-production. And that, that's uh, pretty fascinating because that's quite the feat to close down Times yeah. Square. That's expensive. So, ooh, it's a lot of money. It's only Tom, it's Tom Cruise money. So... The uh, the song I Fall Apart on the soundtrack is performed by Cameron Diaz and credited to Juliana Gianni, her character's name. OK, Sophia's line, I'll tell you in another life when we are both cats, was uh, was a phrase actually uttered spontaneously in a moment of frustration by Penelope Cruz to Cameron Crowe. OK, and then in the opening of the film where Tom Cruise gets out of his car and runs in Times Square, you can see an episode of The Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone shadow play from 1961, being shown on the large screen. The episode is about a convicted man who tries to convince those about to execute him that the world all around them is just his recurring nightmare. Interesting. I did not yeah. realize that. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Uh, finally, at the start of the movie, when David wakes up with Julie Gianni, her cell phone ringtone is Giuliani. Ro Ro. I was going to say Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Her cell phone ringtone is Row, Row, Row Your Boat. But at the moment she answers the call and the music stops, the next lyric would have been Life is But a Dream. That is some deep digging on that one. That's uh, some Jordan Peele shit right there. That's on, so. that's on the nose, if you ask me. On the, the long nose. So, Pinocchio! <laughs> yeah. um, so you said to just plug in a synopsis, but I went ahead and wrote one because I want to practice my writing. My teacher says I'm doing good. So here we go. Uh, billionaire David Ames lives a fast life full of money, beautiful ladies, celebrity friends, and every resource he could ever need. On David's birthday, his best friend Brian introduces him to the ravishing Sophia. 
David is instantly attracted to her, and the two spend the rest of the party getting to know each other. David even asks Sophia to help him elude his friends with benefits slash movie star slash stalker, Julie. David and Sophia spend a lovely night at her apartment, growing in the early stages of what could be a promising great love. As David leaves in the morning, Julie accosts him and admits that she was stalking him. David agrees to drive with Julie to talk, but Julie begins to confess her love for David. Julie hysterically argues with David and ultimately drives their car off a bridge, killing her and leaving David mutilated. David struggles with his deformity, headaches, and self-esteem issues. After months of isolation, he finally musters the courage to talk to Sophia again. She and Brian meet him at a club, but David becomes belligerent drunk, embarrassing himself in front of Sophia. David passes out on the street outside of Sophia's house, only to wake up to a beautiful vanilla sky and the warm embrace of Sophia offering him a second chance. Now, before now, before we get any further, I have to note that the narrative begins to jump and we see an incarcerated and masked David explain his story to a psychologist, Dr. McCabe. Prison David <laughs> is struggling to understand why he's incarcerated and can't figure out what happened to the girl. In the other reality, David and Sophia grow closer together until a miracle surgery proves successful and David's face is back to perfect. The two lovers enjoy every moment of their time together and we are constantly shown interjections of prison David speaking to McCabe, trying to explain his mental logic in order to stay his execution for murder. David elaborates on the day it unraveled. He woke up and noticed his face was still deformed. Not sure if he was still dreaming, David wakes up, quote unquote, and notices his face is fine, but, but shock. Julie is in bed with him. David freaks out and ties her up, demanding her to tell where Sophia is. Julie claims to have been Sophia the whole time, and David mentally breaks down. At the police station, David is accused and shown pictures of Julie's bruises and marks from a domestic violence dispute. Trying to grasp reality, David rushes to Sophia's apartment, but realizes that all the pictures and mementos he saw from her at the start are actually pictures of Julie. His mind reverts Julie back into Sophia and the two make love. As David's mind creeps, he sees Julie again. David has had enough and wants to escape, so he kills Julie, or so he thinks, until he sees the specific mole on Sophia's chest. David has just killed Sophia. Jump to prison David, who now remembers that he worked with a company called Life Extension. David, McCabe, and the guard head to the Life Extension office to discover that David has signed a contract to have his dead body frozen over time and his mind to be in a state of lucid dreaming until he was ready to wake up. Confused by the revelation, David runs from the office and finds tech support, who explains that David signed a contract with Life Extension after his car crash in order to escape existence. David killed himself after his drunken bar embarrassment, and his body has been frozen for over 150 years. Tech support explains to David that he can stay in this dream, or he must jump off the roof to wake up, conquering his ultimate fear of heights. After deliberation and one final moment with an obviously deceased Sophia, David realizes that he must control his own life and his happiness, that he is responsible for himself. David jumps off the roof. The final scene shows a close-up of David's eye, with Sophia in the background telling him, Abra las ojos. Open your eyes. What is happiness to you? Sorry for the fumbling of the words there. I'm all butterfingers today. No, you're fine. So yeah, vanilla vanilla Coke. How did you <laughs> how'd you like the synopsis? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a trippy I, movie. I never have to watch it ever again. <laughs> you say that about everything. <laughs> I know. I apologize. No, you're fine. Now, question for you. When was the first time you saw this movie and did you like it? 
insert repeat answer like from the last five podcasts but uh when i had netflix the rotating three dvds at a time back in 2005 i believe i was about 18 years old yeah i was 18 i got it on dvd and i watched it because i was in a tom cruise kick i was in a i need to watch all all the movies kick um and you know what i didn't really get it (laughs) i remembered parts about it uh but just like when i first saw eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i did not appreciate it enough Sounds good. I saw it um, on DVD as well. It had already come out, and my next door neighbor had it. And he's like, "Dude, you should watch this. It's good." I watched it, and I didn't like it. I handed it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. This wasn't good, sir. <laughs> oh, just wasn't into it at all. Yeah. Um, at any point in the movie, did did the story lose you to boredom, or were you engaged from start to finish? I mean, well, like when I first saw it, I, I, I wasn't engaged. I wasn't as engaged as I should be, I should say. But this viewing, I was I was really engaged. And mind you, I watched it last night. I was super slammed and I was also playing Call of Duty. I watched it pretty late, so I was kind of tired, but I was actually really engaged. And part of it is because I like Cameron Crowe a lot. And the other part is just because I just watch Eyes Wide Shut. And there's a lot of similarities between these. So it's kind of what I uh, that's kind of where I was at with that. <laughs> like how the music in Eyes Wide Shut goes ding, 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 ding. And then it goes. Yeah. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom. <laughs> it's so creepy. The soundtrack for the, for Vanilla Sky was awesome. But uh, yeah, for Eyes Wide Shut, it's, it's super creepy. Hmm. Yeah, I saw Eyes Wide Shut like three times. And I don't think I need to watch it ever again. <laughs> were your eyes were shut all, the entire time? <laughs> they were not. They were they were open. And yeah, it was the weirdest it was the weirdest thing. I don't I don't need to watch it ever again though. I'm over it. As it were. <laughs> Did you get bored? I was like, whoa, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, they're together. And I'm watching them make love making. This is weird. And uh yeah, I just I didn't get it. I was like, I don't understand. He's a doctor that just runs everywhere. <laughs> I don't understand. And then his that wealthy guy's in on the whole sex club thing. The Fidelio Club. Yeah, it's weird. And anyway, um, now, were you able to follow along pretty easily or were you surprised by the ending? Yeah. Um, you know, there were certain parts in the film that I had to kind of go back in my mind to remember just like the little parts, but that's kind of like a dream. You know, it's hard to recall it all. And ultimately, though, I understood the movie. It's it's pretty self-explanatory, like when they're going up in the elevator at the end, he lays it all out there. And if if you just pay attention, it's fine. I'm, I'm sure there might be a couple things that I missed, but no, it was pretty, pretty spot on. Sure. So now do movies with surprise endings like this, do they do it for you? Like, do you do you find the twist to be rewarding or or irritating? Because in this case, uh, it's a lot like the it wasn't really a twist per se. It was just all the pieces were coming together. So as as we, the audience, are watching it, it's it's happening too slow for us to really make heads or tails of it as we're watching it. But once the nice guy up in the elevator has to explain to us like we're idiots what's happening um do you find that to be rewarding or was that more of like aha i get this this is awesome or was it like okay give me a break i mean i don't know necessarily if tech support was treating it 
as we were idiots. I, I think there's a lot of interpretation that can be taken from this film and especially that part as well. Uh, but I definitely I definitely like twist endings. Uh, the only two Shyamalan ones that I really like were The Sixth Sense. And I think I like The Village from what I remember, but only if they're done tastefully. But movies like, you know, Inception and um, well, Eternal Sunshine, the endings of those films can be interpreted in so many different ways. And that's that's what I think. That's why I think like those can have a really good twist, because at the end of Inception, spoiler, you know, that top is spinning and it's up for your own interpretation. Is it going to fall down? Is it going to stay up? What's going to happen to Cobb? So I think that when you look at the at the work as a whole, it's not just direct exposition. It's kind of giving you a reasoning for something, but you have to take into account the entire film could potentially be a dream or could be something. So I think that's what was so cool about it post post viewing is I was able to kind of understand more about it. Yeah. In this case, they tell you the exact moment when it all changed. But I think there's that's up for debate, though, too, because that was a pretty brutal car crash. And I think there's some fantastical elements that that go into his survival after that. Uh, and a lot of unreliable narration, uh, a lot of weird events that happen. So who's to say he's not already dead? Who's to say he didn't die on impact from that car crash or he's in a coma right now? And Cameron Crowe actually about this film came out and said there's about five different ways you can interpret the ending. And he he didn't he didn't list them. But I mean, that alone just tells you, OK, he's doing some sort of David Lynch thing where I got to really kind of think about what's going on. And so I, from my opinion is this could all be an entire dream. Now that's a cop out the, the whole dream mentality, but you know, that's one of them. Uh, and my opinion is probably that what we saw, what the elevator guy explained to him is, is what was happening. His body's 150 years in the future. Um, like I'm taking that on face value, but I could totally see merit in everything else. Like you're saying, like we, he explained when he died, it was after the, the bar scene, he killed himself and stuff. But yeah. All right. Let's talk about Cameron Diaz's character, Julie. She's she's pretty interesting to me. Uh, she thinks she has a relationship with David, uh, Tom Cruise. Um, and she thinks that it's one thing, a strong connection based on love and mutual respect for each other, while David is just in a friends with benefits mode. Uh, is that relatable to you? Have you ever, uh, <laughs> has it ever happened where you, you had hurt feelings or they had hurt feelings because one person just felt so strongly towards the other and you guys just weren't on the same page? Uh, I see what you're doing. You're putting me in a little hole here. So any uh, potential ladies that I might date in the future, please don't listen to this podcast. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think so. I think that the friends with benefits scenario is always something that's it's hard to do because like I'll always say this. Eventually, someone's going to catch feelings. Uh, we're all humans that want that comfort of another person, that person that cares for you deeper than just a, a, a physical attraction. What does Julie say? She says, once you give your body, it's a promise. Uh, I think there's, it's an interesting statement. And, and, you know, while it's hot, steamy, fun, it's just not sustainable to be friends with benefits because at a certain point, we're all human and someone's going to catch something like in, in, in a sense of feelings. <laughs> yeah, I, clarify, clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and honestly, it has happened to me personally from me getting attached to to somebody uh, and also a different scenario where the girl got more attached. 
and I, I don't want you to judge me and think that I have a ton of friends of benefit friends with benefit situations. This was something I did in my twenties, but it was definitely, I've had those kind of undefined relationships where you don't really know what's going on. And one person might like the other a little bit more. And then you're kind of, how do we define the relationship? Uh, never to a point of a stalker. I think that Cameron Diaz did a really good job of being uber creepy, but I get her frustration to a certain extent. And I just think that, you know, in any relationship, physical attraction is and and sex is about 50 percent of that. And then the other remaining, let's say, 40 to 50 percent, you'll most likely fill in with time. So she's I it doesn't it's it's unclear how long they've been hooking up. But if they've been going at it for like a year or two, I think she's definitely warranted in, in saying that she loves him. It's uh, it's not like an eyes wide shut, though. Little spoiler where the the gal tells uh, Tom Cruise that she loves him and she, he's like, I barely know you. And it's just her way to grieve. But yeah. 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 But what about you? Have you ever had anything like that happen? Yeah, I had a stalker once, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. She'd show up outside my window at like two in the morning and like tap on the glass. Oh, my God. Really? I know. <laughs> Jesus shit, Christ, right? dude. Yeah, I know. That was nuts. I don't I think I've glad ever. That, glad that is behind me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had like a actual stalker. I probably have. I mean, I've probably had somebody that sounds really vain. I don't mean to sound like that. I just mean or <laughs> yeah. egotistical. I just I mean got, like I got like 18 Twitter crushes, man, that are after me. No, I just think that I'm really oblivious to things at times. And so well, you're maybe a guy. We're yeah. terrible. Yeah, we are. And maybe I saw something and I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. But then looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was why she wanted locks of my hair to make a hair doll or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, but <laughs> who knows? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I just, I feel bad. Um, there's, there's going to be times where someone does just feel a little bit strongly than you do, or vice versa, and it can be tricky, to say the least. Well, the heart wants what it wants. That is true. Can't explain it. Mm-hmm. That's just the way the world works. Now, question for you. Are you rooting for David Ames to get with Sophia? Uh, or are we, the audience, supposed to be mad at him for making a move when his best friend, who literally just told him, I dig her, and I never said this to you before about any girl, but she could be, could be, could be, could be the girl of my fucking dreams. Uh, I don't. How are we supposed to feel when David takes her home, spends the entire night entertaining her, and then gets into the car with Julie? bit of a fucker right i don't you know this one's tough really even though his best friend just said hey i'm really interested in this girl i want to try and make something happen so so here's here's what i'll say so at first yes i'm i'm upset with him because it's quote-unquote bro code to not ever try to be like mr steel girl right you know if you if you came over with a girl and you're like, this is somebody I met, I want you to meet her, you don't immediately jump into flirt mode. That would make me mad. Uh, he realizes, or he, he tries to rationalize it to Brian by basically saying, you know, like, the, you only knew her for a little bit too because you met her that day. So I guess it's hard to argue. Like I said, the heart wants what it, the heart wants, but that was a really big dick move by David. I, I, I agree with you. Not a big dick move. I mean, that was a dick move by David. Um, and maybe that was on purpose by Cameron Crowe to just show complete arrogance and disregard that David had for people. But I think 
David was such an interesting character because I don't, I didn't see him. <laughs> Do you really think so? Yeah, because I, I didn't he, see I him. I don't think he's interesting at all. But I didn't see him as an asshole that much. I saw him as a kind of, he doesn't really care about anything. And he's, he's a rich guy who's had his life handed to him on a silver platter. But I don't think he was being a dick, like going around and being like, oh, homeless people Ugh, or anything like that. Or, or, you know, yeah, I mean, it was implied that he was probably a womanizer, but he wasn't being like, hey, he's sexy when he was walking by. He'd, he'd say hello to all of his his female co-workers and all of his other workers. It's, so I think there's there's a decent amount there and they didn't really dive too much in it. But that's just how I how I took it. And I think one theory for the film's ending, because I said there were like five, was that Brian actually simulated all of this with the help of life expectancy or what was it called? Ellie life expectancy, something like that uh, to or to put David through just this kind of pain, this kind of nightmare life in extension. A, extension. There we go in uh in kind of a retribution for you know taking sophia but then again sophia was a, a strong and independent woman who belonged to no one and i don't want to say you know you stole my girl because she didn't belong to anybody she's her own damn woman uh she was very capable of making her own decisions and easily could have told david to fuck the fuck off so i think yes in in to, to answer your question initially i think it is a dick move to do on his part so that gives him a, a notch down a bit, but I don't ultimately think he was that bad of a guy. Okay. What do you think? I mean, if, if someone came up to me, best friend or not, and they, they brought somebody and said, Hey, I'm really interested in this person. I would no longer look at them in a way that, you know, I would, I would look for an opportunity to try and get with them. I wouldn't say, Oh, here, I'll take you home. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. I wouldn't be that guy. Um, I would say, okay, that's cool, man. Thanks for telling me. And I would continue to live my life. But right. uh, obviously, everyone is different. Um, I mean, just like speaking from personal experience, uh, you know, I had a roommate that was dating someone, and I got along really well with that person. And she ended up not liking my roommate anymore, and she really liked me, and I really liked her. And nothing ever came of it because I didn't want to put my roommate in that weird position. Right. And it was sad, but I just didn't want to be that guy. Right. Like, I, cause he was my friend too. friend first roommate second, but yeah. it just would have been weird. And so, uh, you know, we have since moved on with our lives, but at the same time, you know, I was presented with an interesting dilemma <laughs> because someone who really got me, and we got along really, really well. Uh, it just ended up not working out. And so uh, it's one of those what coulda, woulda, shoulda kind of moments. Sure. But I mean, of course, I live with I tell myself I have no regrets. You know, I'm very much in love and happy to be getting married and and all that jazz. Uh, but, you know, as a human and, and just thinking of memories or seeing a photo on my phone or something like that, uh, there'll always be some kind of trigger i guess you could say that would say oh yeah that could have been interesting or whatever but um i think when i saw that scene i was like this guy is <laughs> <laughs> doing the exact opposite of what i would have and what i have done yeah i agree and i, I am yeah i mean i agree with you i think i think it was a dick move by him in that sense but that was one of the only real asshole things that he he did for a good majority of the film that I can think of off the top of my head. 
Sure. Well, I think at the beginning it shows that he's doesn't take his work very seriously. No, he's late to appointments. Yeah. He comes and goes as he pleases. Uh, people are waiting on his decision to 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 make to execute uh, this publication, and, and he's not attentive at all. You know, mm-hmm. it's a second thought to him, and I could see how that would be frustrating. Oh, you know, sure. He just wants he wants the perks without doing any of the work. Sure. I don't know if that makes him an asshole, though. But no, I think he, I mean, he, just needs, just he needs to figure his. Yeah, oh yeah, he's totally lazy. He needs to figure his shit out. But yeah. So here's where things get interesting. And it takes a while, mind you. There, there's the car accident. David's face is fucked up. His professional life is in jeopardy. He could lose his company from the board. Uh, we're going through the five stages of grief. And it feels like, at least for me, that it's taking forever. Um, where you're. Like, where's your head 30 minutes into this movie? Like, are you, are you, it sounds like you're on board. Me, Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't take this shit. It sucks. (laughs) And, you know, we have flashbacks, we have parties, we have relationships, we have interrogations. Uh, Nothing is what it seems, obviously. And I just, I can't, I can't get over, like, I'm I'm 100% over it at this point. And it sounds like you were invested. So I just kind of want you to walk me through your take 30 minutes into it. The accident happens. Where, where are you at mentally when you're watching this movie? So that's what I was going to ask. So it was like at 30 minutes. That's when the car uh, crash happens. Yeah, it was about 30 minutes. OK, uh, so, you know, I was invested as soon as they do the time jump and they show David with the mask because I, I, I agree with you. You know, the first part of it, you're watching, you're kind of like he's rich. He's running through New York. What's going on? The soundtrack is cool. But, he you knows Steven Spielberg, like what, what what's the angle here? And then he has a wonderful night, but then it gets real kind of dark because Julie picks him up and confesses the love. And then it starts kind of picking up for me and you're you're wondering what's going on. But when it does the time jump and it goes to uh, show prison, David, you know, wearing his mask, talking to Jack Burton about his potential murder, it it blurs those lines. Murder, I say it blur. (laughs) It blurs those lines. And that's when I really am like, ooh, wait. This is not a linear story. So there's going to be a lot going into this. And that car collision was brutal. I, you know, I, I didn't think he was going to survive that. So me being a movie buff as I am, I was like, he's dead. He's dead. Definitely. So that's when I started playing the whole mindfuck game. And I got that more this second viewing. I think that's maybe why the first time I didn't like it as much. The second viewing, I remembered bits and pieces, but I honestly did not remember the ending at all. So it was all really new to me, which was great. Uh, But I thought that that was the pretty good. The car crash was a pretty good point for just the entire film to be, you know, the script was flipped, as the kids say. Uh, And I'm typically fully invested on mixed reality films, like I was saying earlier, that kind of question the very fabric of existence. Uh, they they teeter between that fiction and like nonfiction world. And that's why I love, uh, you know, like Lovecraft Country, just because it's it teeters between fiction and nonfiction or it kind of it's a hybrid. But even though that one's not about dreams, but movies like Inception, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, like I've been saying, Eternal Sunshine, and then even The Shining, where you're like, wait, wait what what's real? What's not? What's going on? Why is why is this happening sort of thing? And so I really like to question that. And I think ultimately at the end of it, I was still debating what's going on because I love the idea of dreams. The fact that they're so hard to control 
And I think that's a big theme of this is just when you think you're in control in a dream, like if you've had, if you had a reoccurring dream about, I don't know, uh, Freddy Krueger chasing you, right? The scariest shit is it's so hard to not fall asleep. And in your dream, Freddy has all the control, but it's, it's not until the kids start taking control of their own dreams when they really start kicking ass. And that's so hard to do because you can't, you don't know what you're doing in your dream. So lucid dreaming to me is so fascinating and I wish I studied more on it so I could speak more to it, but uh, I've never lucid dreamed. I don't know if you have or not, but yeah, it's uh, I was definitely sold when I was watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did you ever read the short story An occurrence at Owl Creek Ridge by chance? No. All right. So what's happening is it's like takes place during the civil war and there is a soldier that's about to be hung and he gets pushed from the ledge and the rope breaks and uh, he escapes and he makes it all the way home. And right when he's about to embrace like his wife, uh, he just gets whipped back and snapped back to reality and his neck breaks and he dies. He never got away. It was all in his head as he was uh, going in that instant that he was pushed off to be hung. And uh, yeah, that was like my first real, like twist <laughs> Jeez, you know, that, was, that was written in like 1890 and uh it's pretty cool uh ambrose Pier- Pierce or something like that i think it's the guy that wrote it um mm-hmm. no, it's been a while i haven't read it since high school but uh i remember thinking how really freaking cool that was but like as soon as you start talking about how he it's possible that he could have died in the car and the whole rest of this movie is fake you know, that kind of stuff just bothers me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. ah, shit, I'm just wasting my whole time. <laughs> Which I don't believe it is because he would, I think that they would have redirected it back to the car accident. They make it a point to to address a moment after the car accident. Yeah, but I mean, not all of our stories need to have a clear-cut ending. So I, I think it's all up for your own interpretation with it. Right, and I'm telling and, you that... yeah. This is what I interpret. <laughs> no, no, no. I got I got that. I'm more just kind of speaking universally. But yeah, no, no, I, I got I, I know where your head's at. I'm just kind of giving a, a universal interpretation of it. Sure. Possibility, yeah. I should say. And I think and I and I think that's another thing that bothers me about uh I think that scenes can be interpreted a certain way, but I think when a whole ending is up to interpretation, then it bothers me. Because mm-hmm. then I'm like, well, what did I even watch? If 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 I'm not getting it, then it bothers me. <laughs> if if I wasn't able to understand the story that you were trying to tell me, then I am irritated. Well, you know, though, the most recent example that I can think of that had a very, very ambiguous ending was Parasite. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it yet. I mean, if you haven't, you're crazy. You definitely should. But the ending is is totally up for interpretation. And I, I love reading theories about it or watching YouTube theories about it because it's it totally makes sense. And and the beauty of it is no one's really wrong. I think Bong Joon-ho was like, yeah, think about it. That's all he pointed to his head. That's yeah. all he did. <laughs> yeah. He's like, books. He wants, he wants me to do his job. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Lazy. <laughs> bravo, bravo, bravo. Don't be lazy podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just tell me what the fuck you want to happen. Make it happen. And then I'll tell you if I like it or not. Don't make me do the work for you. Shit. Filmmaker, not film incompleter. Give me a break. 
All right. So skipping to the end here, because mm-hmm. I'm getting mad just talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Near the end of the movie, we find out that David went to the company called Life Extension, where they use cryonic suspension to save those with terminal illness until a cure can be found, keeping them in this lucid dream state that you were talking about to otherwise exercise their mind. David realizes that he is in his own lucid dream and calls for tech support, screaming and yelling, tech support, tech support. (laughs) And uh, it's fun to watch, I suppose. And here we get the explanation that David has been in suspension for 150 years and that he can be woken up with technology that exists to fix his face. David is given a choice, either continue with the now fixed, in quotes, lucid dream or wake up and start a new life i guess what i'm struggling with is a rich guy that has everything fucks up so bad and he gets to put his life on hold for 150 years and then start again in the meantime he's able to basically be immortal and live in this lucid dream like why is that okay we all make mistakes we all fuck up and we all learn to deal with it and but when you're wealthy you can just pay to make these mistakes go away well, even if you fucking kill someone like OJ, right? If you have enough money, get away with murder. If I did it, as it were. And you know what would have been like a better twist is if Life Extension only sold nightmares. They they taught <laughs> people like humility and accountability. Sure, they dress it up nice, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna put you in this lucid dream. It's gonna be amazing, and you're gonna bang all these broads, and it's gonna be sweet. And you're gonna have your own page on Pornhub, and everyone's gonna fucking go to it and watch you, and it's gonna be sweet. But if it taught people like humility and accountability and how to cope with loss and how to learn to be a better person, how to be your best self and not just call tech support the moment you lost control, fucking eat a dick, man. Like figure <laughs> shit out and deal with it. And then and then when they tell you and like and like when you actually figure it out and you have this Ebenezer Scrooge moment, this this epiphany that's like a Christmas goose. Bam. <laughs> tech support swoops in and says, thank you for playing. Guess what? You've been a miserable fuck your entire life, and it took you 150 years to realize that you shouldn't be a dick. Congratulations. We're going to pull the plug, thaw your ass out, and you won't survive the process. Your assets that you left us in charge with, you know, we're going to have all those donated to various charities to end hunger, cure disease, environmental protection, and global universal health care. <laughs> Take care of the whole fucking planet with all these rich people's money. Have a nice day. Wow. Wouldn't that be cooler? Fuck that guy. Like, I'm supposed to be sympathetic to this rich asshole that just goes around listening to the fucking records and having these penthouse parties, and then he just gets in a car accident and hates his face, and he just says, fine, fuck it. I'm a, I'll am see you guys in 150 years. Eat a dick, dude. We all got problems. Fucking so learn to I, deal with it. I think that's definitely an interpretation of it, and very well thought out. I like the ebenezer scrooge christmas goose (laughs) point but um and i do like the idea of the nightmares that would be a very good like sci-fi or a very good twilight zone or black mirror episode but i think it's it's interesting because i don't think necessarily that he wanted to do it because he was sad about his face he even said in one of those dreams he's like it's not about vanity he was explaining about the headaches and such Uh, but i also think he was suffering from from a mental illness where he lost out on an opportunity to have a, a beautiful possible love with Sophia and he just could not take it anymore. And so because yeah, he got into a car with a yeah, fucking stalker. Sure. He just he he want, he put himself but, in that position. We've but, all made mistakes, Zach. I know. I don't I don't I don't there's nothing beautiful about this guy. Fuck him. But I mean, 
what do you do with that Cameron Diaz? Because at the same token, I'm going to speak personally, and I never want to offend anybody purposely. And if I had that situation, I would be like, look, she's right. I can't outright just be like, leave me alone, psycho, and drive away. I want to salvage some sort of friendship. And that may be to, to your what you're kind of saying, that may be to his vanity. But I don't think it is. I think he's just kind of trying to smooth it over and realize like, hey, you know, we are friends. He may also be really scared. Like he may be like, please don't kill yourself or please don't kill me. But he made a wrong choice. And life is about those little moments. It's those little things that you do that you never know what your decision, whatever you say, if you if you pick the red pill or the blue pill, what's going to happen? And so I think it's really hard to say if it's okay or not in my, in, just in my opinion. Uh, I don't think he was necessarily a rich pompous ass. Like we see other billionaires portrayed in movies. He wasn't, you know, betting $1 to see if a homeless man could take over a wealthy stockbroker's job in right. trading places. But he had this kind of devil may care attitude. And I don't think he was inherently bad minus a couple little things that we talked about. I don't think he was inherently bad. I just think that one important thing to note too when we're speaking about him is he was born into this wealth and wealth and kind of thrust into this sociological status at an early stage. He was given the, the, the key, the keys to the kingdom basically. And so I don't think he ever really had a chance to grow up. He never had to experience what a common person for lack of a better term would have to do. And therefore I don't think we should fault him for having the means to, to go through all these expensive sci-fi treatments. I mean, he had the money, so he's going to do it. I, I'm, I'm I trying to. That, I, I, yeah. I think that's fine, yeah. but I mean, he had a best friend that he chose to betray. He yeah. he he was told countless times, like, "Hey, look, man, I'm here for you. Uh, you know, let's let's all be friends. Let's make this work." And he chose to be an asshole and be a baby about it. Mm-hmm. And that's on him. That's not on anyone else. That's not on his parents. That's not on on him having money. That's a character flaw. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah. He's like I don't literally know. I, walking her out of the bar. She doesn't want anything to do with the guy. She's like, dude, I'm done with you. Leave me alone. And he's like, oh, no, my face. Fuck, what's going yeah. And, yeah. you know, he he chose to be that way. I get it, man. We all sure. We all have bad days. We all have problems. But at the end of the day, you are who you are. And it's up to you to fucking and be a big put on your big boy pants and take accountability for being an asshole. Sure. And I mean, I, I, I've i never experienced what he's experienced. I mean, this traumatic experience, his, his face is deformed. The the one person that he could have potentially loved, he completely missed an opportunity. And I'm sure he was thinking all those things. Why the hell did I get in the car? Um, you know, he felt like he was was hopeless. And he tr- he goes out on a limb, asks her out. He's overjoyed. And then he goes to a bar. I mean, wearing that mask, I think, said a lot about him, too, about his his self-conscious nature. And then he gets drunk and alcohol never helps a situation. So I think he really effed up in that point. And maybe that was his lowest that he was going to be. And that's why he signed up for Ellie after that. It's possible. That's probably true. But I mean, I realize that you haven't had your face mangled, but you have experienced life altering events in your Mm -hmm. life and you chose a path, you know, I think uh, at some point all of us get tested in some way whether it be a car accident, um, someone uh, left you unexpectedly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, shit happens, and 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 we all have a right to go through our grieving process. You know that there's 
that's it's a it's a thing and it's 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 part of of being a human being and um i think that it's important to remember that but at the same time i don't think you need to lose who you are you know like you, you can go through your denial you can go through your anger you can go through the bargaining depression and finally acceptance and you'll get there. It's just how long is it going to take you to get there? And it's and it's different for everyone. Can't speak for everyone. It's different for everyone. I totally get that. But in this snapshot of a movie that I got in the two <laughs> hours that I had David Ames on my TV, I was not a fan. I was like, fuck yeah. this guy. I'm not interested in this guy at all. Not my cup of tea. I don't. And I mean, for me, I don't think the wealth had any issue I didn't take issue for it. I think there's something to be said for someone coming from wealth to kind of be humbled by a profound experience. And and you said it best. It's that Scrooge trope. Uh, we've seen it in so many different films before this and after this. Um, I didn't write them down or anything, so I don't really know. And I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I mean, that, that trope has been done. And I just, I think that, how am I trying to say this? Well, I, I don't think that, I don't think that wealth plays into my opinion of him. It's more mm-hmm. just a character. You know, he, he's he's a bad person in my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I don't care if he has $5 in his bank account or $5 billion, He can choose how to be to his friends and peers. Right. And I was not impressed with what I saw in the two hours that he was on my TV. Yeah. And I think, but going going back to like how he treated Brian and everything. Um, I mean, I do agree with you. The, the swooping in to pick up Sophia was a, a dick move, but... Anything else pretty much after that is up for interpretation. So even the bar scene is up for interpretation. Um, I'm more of the idea that he died after that. Uh, And so he did make an ass out of himself and he was a jerk to Brian. But there was a scene, you know, after he uh, went after he, quote unquote, beat uh, Julie and he went into the police station and then Brian picked him up and he's like, how dare you hit her and blah, blah, blah. And then they started yelling at each other. He was an asshole to him then. Cause he's like, Hey, I'm your only friend. And this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. So I, I, I think a lot of it can be up for interpretation and maybe those are, that's his own subconscious kind of kicking his own ass sort of. But I don't know. I think, I think the on the nose message is that everyone is ultimately in charge of their own happiness. And once you kind of c- take control of that and wouldn't you take control of your own life that's when you can find that happiness and it sophia said this line in it um i wrote it down just because i forgot it it says uh, every passing minute is another chance to turn it all around and i truly believe that because i actually do have regrets in life and i just think it's it's a part of life but i think it's how you move forward and you can look at hey you know what i'm gonna have another chance to turn this around and so even if he was bad, let's just say for a minute, David was really bad. He's trying to change his life around. And I, I have to amend him for that. Commend him for that. Sorry. Yeah. I, in my experience, people don't change. Yeah. They do in the I movies, know. but they don't in real life. Dude, I change every day. I don't, I don't wear basketball clothes every day. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change my hair. Yeah. I think, I think people can try to change, but I think at, at the end of the day, you are who you are. If there's one thing that Cobra Kai has taught me, it's that people can change. I don't know about all that. <laughs> and that high school kids are good at karate. And apparently, <laughs> if you know karate in the valley, you are the bee's knees. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's where it's at. <laughs> the All Valley Under 18 Karate Tournament. <laughs> yes, Sensei. <laughs> 
quiet. <laughs> that'll, that'll get you into all the clubs. Fuck, I love that show so much. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's the best. That's pretty good. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I I I, I agree. I see I see what you're what you're putting down there, and I I totally respect your opinion on it. No, well, it's fine. I mean, I just I think that David Ames is a fat fucking butch, and <laughs> I'm blown away that he gets a happy ending. Sure. I don't think it's right, and the whole the whole j- jab about like um, you know, uh, rich people. Like I get it, you know, whatever. If you you made your billions, then congratulations. I'm very proud of you. I think that's remarkable. But I do think that it's something to be said. If the, if there was if Tilda Swinton's character was really just this fucking criminal genius that would that would take control of people's assets when they sign up for this gig, because you know it would always it would cost a lot of money to do, right? Oh, totally. Like Walt, Walt Disney's frozen, and maybe <laughs> some other asshole on this planet is frozen too, and and they're gonna come back and. I just think that it would be really neat if in this contract there was something like, oh, hey, you know, power of attorney, we'll control your assets. We'll make sure that you have money when you wake up and and it all be a fucking ruse. And it literally was just was billions and billions of dollars that went to better mankind. You know, the same people that got rich that were, uh, you know, making money off of other people's suffering and polluting the planets and ruining it for our children's children's children 150 years from now. That is that is no longer the case because we were able to put that blood money to good use. I think that would have been a really fun tie-in. I think you got a million-dollar idea there, Justin. For Twilight, you can have it. You know, my ideas are free. I'm an idea man. I don't need millions of dollars. I ain't trying to freeze my body. I just need a case of monster, maybe a pack of fucking nerds, the movie box size. (laughs) Some veggie burgers and rice. <laughs> yes. That's it. <laughs> that is my diet. And I'm dying because of it. And giant sweet tarts. <laughs> yeah, I love them things. I know. <laughs> they're, they're at the gas station, you know. I know your body. Frozen you or un- unfrozen. <laughs> frozen or thawed. <laughs> yeah. Fucking like Demolition Man. We should do that movie. That movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen well, it. Well, you want so a long. good freezing movie, then it's fucking Demolition Man, not can we, Vanilla Sky. Can we eat Taco Bell while we watch it? <laughs> sure. Whatever you want. Crazy for you. Anyway, what letter grade do you give this motion picture show? Uh, I give it a B plus. Um, I, I really enjoyed it a lot, but it's not one of those movies that I need to watch again because I pretty much picked up on everything. So it's not I think that's why it's not an A, is because it didn't really warrant multiple viewings for me. Uh, it's very Tom Cruise. He's very giant smile, machismo. Uh, running, also, running, 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 running. <laughs> Is he the weirdest and greatest runner simultaneously? I love it's watching him weird. run, but it's really weird. <laughs> Can't uh, do it. Yeah, he he. You know, it's also got some really great imagery in the movie. Uh, the music is is awesome. Cameron Crowe is always great with that, and then uh, the cinematography. And I I really just love the dream idea. Lucid dreams are always so fascinating to me. Uh, have you, Justin, have you ever experienced a lucid dream at all? No, I don't do that. Do you remember like a really vivid dream that you had recently? Uh, I've had some pretty vivid nightmares, um, but for the most part, I don't really remember much of that stuff. I usually I want to start writing it down when I have a really vivid dream, because I've had times when I've had to wake up and I'm like, holy shit, what just happened? And I. I kind of walk around my room a little bit at, you know, two in the morning or something just to make sure everything's legit and real. And it's it's so weird. 
that happening. And I think, I think everyone's kind of experienced that whether they remember it or not, but that's what's so fascinating about dreams is it's hard to remember details. You can remember bits and pieces of things, but remembering, you know, the small little tiny things, that's what's so tough. Yeah. I mean, and what's, what's crazy about dreams too is, and I think inception really hammers his home is that the, the level of acceptance that exists in dreams, like yeah, you're in your house and you open up the door and all of a sudden you're at a fucking train station or yeah. you're <laughs> at the North Pole and you're like, oh, this makes sense. In Barrow. I, 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 had, I was going to go to the North Pole and I look, I'm fucking here. And so I do think that that is always funny. Uh, there was this one time when I was a kid, I had this dream that Joe Pesci and I were on the run from Jason Voorhees. <laughs> That was so fucking weird. Okay, 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 I'm, okay, okay, I'm okay. like, he's scared. Well, he was like, he was Vinny. It's funny you mentioned my cousin Vinny because it was kind of his persona. And um, I'm like, if he's scared, then, you know, I really got to be scared. And um, it was crazy. It was a long time ago. I was like in sixth grade. That's funny. Yeah. I definitely had Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees dreams. And those are, I had a Chucky dream and that scared me. But then in my later years, I had a Chucky dream and I beat the shit out of that doll. I was not scared of him. Just grabbed a golf <laughs> club. That's funny. Yeah, I am. Um, I try not to think about um, Freddy Krueger too much, just for the sake of not wanting to have a, a dream. <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen all the movies a hundred times, but like if if it's let's just say it's like eleven o'clock at night or something, and I just got done watching a movie, I'm gonna watch like King of the Hill or some shit just to kind of <laughs> we'll get like a like palate cleanse. Yeah, and uh, I'm just like I don't even need this fucking guy invading my dreams, and. Uh, <laughs> Not a fan. I, I would. I think it would be a lot of fun. Maybe if it was like a robot chicken sketch or something where if it was everything, the story being told from just Freddy's point of view. And he has like these, uh, you know, in Home Alone, when Kevin McAllister lays out his his plan of attack and it's like in Crayola and all like mm-hmm. it's all mapped out. I think mm-hmm. it'd be funny if he had if Freddy had plans like that, like a schematic of how this nightmare is going to work. That'd be awesome. I think that'd be really funny. I mean, in like a, like a two minute sketch, you know, he's like, this is the part I say, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Insert one liner here and it's going to be great. There you go. What, uh, what, what letter grade do you give this movie? If oh, I, had man, to guess? I, fucking, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a F for fucking hate this movie. Wow. So uh, interesting. No, it's, it's probably like a D plus. I like the music, I suppose, but not really. I, I don't like anything about this movie. I think one thing I really liked about it, too, and maybe it, it, it amplified my my um, liking of it was that I just watched Eyes Wide Shut. And that's very similar at, at certain points because it, it, it kind of blurs those lines of what's real and what's not real. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Also, it has Tom Cruise. But yeah, I like Days of Thunder. Yeah. Robin <laughs> not racing or is racing. Uh, yeah, I like almost all of his movies, but I'm just this movie just does not resonate with me. Not a fan. Don't like it. Never want to talk about it ever again. Damn. All right. Well, on that note, we can just end it. Uh, do you who took us home last time? I don't know. We don't get a show last time. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That was my bad, <laughs> bad, bad <laughs> vocals. Broken. I can try to fix it. But yeah. How about you release the Iron Eagle and I'll release the chronic. So sure. I have uh, the Iron Eagle right here on my desktop. I want to listen to it. It's so good. I'm going to be Doug Masters for Halloween. I already am getting the shirt. <laughs> no, the shirt no, made. What the <laughs> Do I, d- does it seem like I care? I don't give a shit. Halloween's all what? about being free. Are you, you going to have a party? No, I'm going to go to a very small gathering of like six people and it'll just be at a, a close friend's house and enough room to social distance. I'm actually going to try to see if I can get a mask uh, that looks like a, a fighter pilot mask. 
and so I can wear that. I think that'd be kind of cool. But yeah, do you have a Walkman? So that's what I need. I need to try to find one. I'm going to get go to like Value Village or Goodwill or something and try to see if I can find a Walkman. If I don't, I'll just make something out of like cardboard or whatever. But if I could get Did a you already real say one, that you needed a Walkman. Yeah, and I just didn't hear it. Oh, OK, I, <laughs> I apologize. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. I need I need one. I don't have I, I don't have. But uh, I, I definitely want to try to get one. I'm going to strap it to my leg and walk around everywhere. You should just get like one of those cassette recorders like a really big one <laughs> to your leg. i should get a talk boy like in home alone too <laughs> yeah the father the father all right do you how about you take us home take us home bring this little tugboat ashore yeah all right thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the don't be crazy podcast i'm sorry it was vanilla sky i hate the movie i hate talking about it. i don't want to do it ever again Remember to follow us on Twitter at DVCrazyPod, at Armo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we'll discuss them on the show. Feel free to do that. We love sharing your thoughts on the show, uh, especially when it came to those lists. That was a lot of fun. Um, you can even tell us what movie to watch next, as long as it's <laughs> No Sky Part 2, uh, Electric Boogaloo, not interested. Uh, please be sure to check out the other podcasts on the Geek Legacy Network. Of course, we have the Geek Legacy Podcast, with has, excuse me, which has David, Randy, and myself. A lot of fun talking about everything in the realm of entertainment news, as well as the Pixelated Podcast with Stephen K. James, where we talk about video games. And I think this next week's show is going to be a lot of fun because we'll have all sorts of PlayStation 5 things to talk about. <laughs> Talking points, as it were. Um, Remember to not be crazy and thank you for listening. Bye, Kansas City. <laughs> hey, Kansas City. <laughs>